The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, cause it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. Coming up uh, uh, in in a few minutes or so, we're going to talk with uh, uh, some doctors from the uh, Bloom Cardiovascular Institute at Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago, Doctors Sadia Khan and uh, Clyde Yancey will be joining me by phone in uh, in in just just a few minutes and um we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 um not not on billionaires as we did last hour but on uh people with um heart conditions and why heart patients might be more at risk for COVID-19 complications and uh so anyway We'll be talking about that coming up a little later in the show. In fact, in the uh, third hour of our uh, three-hour tour, or the third half of our three-hour tour, as I like to call it, we're going to talk with Greg Everett, the author of uh, a book called Tough, Building True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness for Success and Fulfillment, um, which will be uh, which will be published uh, next week, I think. Um Anyway, uh, Greg has coached the Olympic sport of weightlifting for almost 15 years up to the world championship level. He was a nationally competitive uh, lifter himself, is now an elite competitor in the tactical games, a former first responder. He lives in central Oregon, and we're going to talk about his his book, etc. But first, a different doctor. We're going to hear a little something from the root doctor.
breakfast tank Mix it all up You got some instant food tank Cause I'm your, your root doctor Yeah, yeah, yeah Pretty girls come from miles around Just to taste my root tonic Dog, 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 dog,
everybody this is the Tom Sumner program as we learn more and more about COVID-19 and how it affects uh, different uh, people with different uh, pre-existing conditions differently um, it's it's important to know what some of these uh, new developments are and to talk about that and more joining me uh, by phone from Northwestern uh, uh, medicine in Chicago. We have um, Dr. Sadia Khan. And uh, Sadia, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. And uh, also on the line, we have Dr. Clyde Yancey, the Chief of Cardiology at Northwestern Medicine. And uh, Clyde, welcome. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having us. Um, as it just seems like for the last, well, almost a year now, um, every couple of weeks we, we seem to get some new uh, notion about uh, COVID-19 and how it affects people. Are we still learning about it, or do we pretty much have it uh, figured out now as variants start to uh, arrive? We've learned an incredible amount in the past almost year about this virus, but I think there is a lot more to learn. We've learned how it affects the heart and especially dangerous for people who have heart disease already. Now, when we, uh, and, and I'm not sure who wants to jump in on this one, um, but when we first started hearing about people who were most at risk from serious effects of COVID-19, we were focused on the lungs. Um, have we learned that it's not lung-specific? Is that fair? So, Tom, let me jump in on this, because the yeah, important please. statement here is that we've had only a year, only a year from the first case, only a year from understanding what the virus was, only a year from the first descriptions and now beginning to think about not long-term, but only intermediate-term, because we're still measuring this disease in months, Tom, in months. Yes, it starts with pneumonia, but very quickly we've understood that it affects the heart, it affects the kidneys, it affects the liver, it affects the way the blood clots, and it affects the brain and leaves some unusual lingering symptoms. So this is an active learning mode, and we've learned a lot, and the vaccines prove that, but we have a lot more to go. And, and what about, uh, you know, when it... 
when we first started learning about it or hearing about it is probably the better way to put it um it's it seemed that number one uh elderly people were at greater risk that's probably true most of the time um but but it seemed like young people were almost immune from it and then we began seeing cases of even very young people getting the disease and in some cases uh uh fatally um what and, and and then more recently we've learned that even after someone has had and recovered from covid-19 there are long-term impacts or permanent damage what are we learning about um what what stays with us after the the primary disease is gone that's a great question because the latter part of that comment about the long-term effects as dr yancy mentioned are still undetermined but what we are seeing merging the syndrome of long haul or long covid that is quite concerning we focused a lot on death and especially the higher risk of dying when hospitalized with covid but we know there are a lot of other long-term effects that could be very debilitating for even young adults especially comments around severe fatigue not being able to get back to work this mental fog and i think we're still trying to understand how all of these things are caused by the virus and what the prognosis will be in the long term and why it's so important for a vaccine strategy to prevent the disease from occurring is is what we're seeing in terms of long-term uh, effects um, organ related so Tom very much so uh, we're beginning to understand that not everyone has every possible manifestation of covid-19 and in some cases it can be more compelling Thankfully, it looks like recovery happens quite capably for some of the organ systems involved, thinking about the kidney, hoping that's the case for the heart. But we're still learning about the heart. Remember, this is the reason why we're concerned about athletes, because many of them are young adults, might have minimal symptoms from COVID-19, but there might still be cardiac involvement. That's been made clear in the literature. And so we have to be very careful in those persons that are exerting themselves in a vigorous fashion to understand that it really is safe for them to return to play. Again, so much to learn, but so much that's going on. More with Drs. Khan and Yancey from the Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before. 
where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives, but we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19, where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through Tom it. Tom Summer. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with Drs. Khan and Yancey from the Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute. Straight ahead. Um, are are you, the two of you concerned about... Uh, about the variants that are happening. It, it always seems to me when I hear about a, a disease um, mutating or, or becoming evolving into some sort of a variant that it's usually 
being resistant to a treatment or uh, a vaccine. Are, are you concerned that that's where these variants are headed, that, that the vaccines might not be effective with them? That's a great question and I think is one of growing concern in terms of what we're going to see happen for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Viruses mutate constantly. So the fact that we are seeing variants now is probably not a new finding. We've probably had circulating variants throughout this time, but we haven't been picking up on them. What is concerning is that some of these variants may be more contagious, but we don't necessarily have any data to say that the vaccine won't be effective. And in fact, there's a lot of optimism that the vaccine will still be effective for these new variants. So Tom, we have a variant in Brazil. We have a variant that's particularly onerous in South Africa and a well-described variant in Great Britain that probably is in fact more contagious, still trying to understand if it causes more consequence. The good news on this front, though, is that a number of the vaccines and several of the candidate vaccines have been tested against the variant. It's relatively easy to do, and there still is protection. The numbers are not as dramatic as the ones we're quoting now, specifically in the 90% or greater efficacy range, meaning that it prevents infection to that extent, but it still is protective. But here's a key consideration, Tom. This is the key consideration. The only way a virus can mutate is if it's replicating. The way it replicates is that it becomes a part of someone's system. A host, a human, ends up with the COVID-19 infection and the virus then starts to reproduce. We call that replicating. A virus must replicate in order to mutate. So if we can accomplish mass vaccination and prevent the host, the human, from taking up the virus, it won't replicate. And a virus that doesn't replicate doesn't mutate. That's why there's urgency to getting as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. Is COVID-19 itself a variant of uh, an already existing coronavirus? You know, Tom, that's a brilliant question. I can assure you that the three of us and everyone listening to this program has had coronavirus. It is one of the causes of the common cold, and coronavirus has been around for decades. But what's unique here, and this is why we call it the novel coronavirus, is that it developed this peculiar, using the word again, mutation that gave it privileged access to our cells, particularly our lung cells, and that has wreaked havoc by causing a terrible pneumonia. So we've all seen coronavirus before, but not this version of it. And and you um, mentioned... Uh lung cells as as being particularly vulnerable to uh, this particular coronavirus. But yet your concern is growing with regard to how it affects the heart. What are we learning about COVID and, and people with heart disease or even people without heart disease and how coronavirus uh, uh, or this particular coronavirus, COVID-19, affects the heart. So, Tom, here's what we know. We know that once someone is infected with the novel coronavirus and has COVID-19, the body unleashes an overwhelming immune response. That immune response is agnostic, meaning that it is present throughout the body in every organ system. And whereas a direct injury is in the lungs, 
for the other organs, it's really because of this unbelievably robust immune response that overwhelms even the body's own systems. That's why there's recovery in some organs, in many, in fact, but that's also why there may be some lingering concerns because we're just not accustomed to this kind of storm. Literally, in the medical literature, we describe it as a storm within the body, and it has great consequences. What can um, people do? I, I mean, who should be um, hyper-vigilant uh, with regard to protecting themselves from COVID-19, especially until vaccines become available? That's a great question. And as the um, situation has evolved, we've seen these peaks and valleys of when coronavirus is peaking in different cities. And the best answer to that is all of us. And using a mask, physically distancing, hand washing. These are strategies that we all need to employ before and after vaccination until we have sufficient um, vaccination throughout the population. And the emphasis is even after vaccination, Tom, we have to continue to be vigilant about our protective measures because even though we're vaccinated two things, we can still contract coronavirus, a mild disease, but we can still contract it meaning we can also still transmit it. And so the more we can protect ourselves from the first exposure, the more likely we are to restore the health for everyone. We hear a lot about uh, how um, miraculous the development of vaccines has been with this so-called uh, warp speed uh, kind of approach to not only uh, coming up with the, the uh vaccines, but but getting them approved and, and out and available for use. Um, but given what, what you just said, Dr. Yancey, um, are we, um, how, how long before we can really begin to see some letting up of cautious behavior? So, Tom, that is the question of the day. That's the one that everybody wants to know. When can schools fully reopen? When can restaurants fully reengage? When can sporting events be patronized? When can families get together? When can we grieve together? When can we celebrate together? Those are things that are so incredibly important to everyone. I'm delighted to say that just yesterday, we finally ended up with more people in this country vaccinated against COVID-19 than those who have experienced COVID-19. So it's been clunking in the beginning. But the rollout is happening, and we're starting to gain traction. But it's going to take a multi-pronged approach, Tom. We'll have to have this so-called herd immunity, meaning that about 80% of the population will either need to be naturally protected or protected from vaccination. But we will also see that there will be some lingering changes in our lifestyle. We may not be fans of really large gatherings. I don't know what a convention is going to look like in the future. Virtual platforms are probably here to stay. We'll have to find a new way to celebrate, a new way to deal with food service. But we'll have to be really vigilant because we're still, again, in this first year. And we have to learn more and see what happens if, with the next wave, if there's a next wave. Many of us think there will be some kind of next wave. We'll be better prepared. But, um, Tom, that is the burning question. When can things get to a more open society? I don't know that normal is anything that we aspire anymore. I think we'll have to define a new normal. 
Well, I, you know, when this when this first began and, and everybody was talking like, well, a few weeks of quarantine and we should be able to knock this out. Um, I was looking back at the experience of the uh, Spanish flu in the early part of the 20th century, 1917, 1920 in there. And, and it seems like that one... Because of a lot of false starts, you know, people relaxing their guard too soon, that 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 hung around for two or three years. Is that different? Is is it different now with with this particular, or you know, should we be thinking a little bit longer? Are we too anxious to get back to whatever the new normal is going to be? I was too anxious to answer that question. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I think we we do think there's a difference, and one of the biggest differences is the vaccination. The speed with which the scientific community came together and developed and tested in thousands of people multiple types of vaccines gives us great hope and optimism that it will be different. Are, is the reason that we were able to um, develop a vaccine so quickly um, in part due to uh, uh, relaxing some of the protocols, but but also is it because through our work with the flu every year and, and other kinds of infectious diseases, we're getting better at it? So, Tom, I'm excited to take this one um, because I'd like to kind of recalibrate the um, narrative that is so prevalent in the lay community. This vaccine was not an overnight success. It became aware to many of the scientists in the public health space based on SARS-CoV-1 and the Middle Eastern Respiratory Virus, MERS, that potentially a virus like either the first SARS or MERS could lead to a pandemic. Thus, we see what we have now. So work began then to try to understand what are these viruses doing differently? How are we ending up with these devastating pneumonias? By 2013, this whole phenomenon of the spike proteins or the surface proteins of the virus had been discovered. And it was basically, if you will, kind of weird science just sitting on a shelf, but a few dedicated investigators <laughs> stuck, with, stuck with it. I like that description. Once, <laughs> it, but that's correct. And once the DNA code of the virus was released by uh, the Chinese scientists, literally, literally overnight, scientists here were able to retrieve the discoveries that had already been made over the last decade, adapted to that genetic code and had at least on paper a candidate vaccine model that should have worked. What's remarkable, Tom, what's remarkable is that eight days before the first person in the United States contracted COVID-19, the candidate vaccine was already produced and there was already an initiative to begin testing in anticipation of COVID-19 in the States. It is a remarkable story scientific discovery. Our early cases were in January. The animal studies were completed a month later in February, Tom. And in March, the middle of March, the first trial recipient, a woman in Seattle, 
receive the candidate vaccine. That is truly a remarkable story. But it's because of at least a decade of science that preceded it in anticipation of this very sort of what we would have called a never event, but the never event happened. Was the public was was public Tom, policy? Tom, you're supposed to say wow after something like that. Well, I I am saying wow, and I'm wondering with all of that work behind it and going, you know, as this thing became um you know almost almost overnight it certainly seemed like it from the way it was reported in the news that you know all of a sudden one day we were aware there was this potential for a virus and and the next day hospitals were full um i mean it seemed like that i i know it wasn't actually like that but it but it sure seemed like that the question is, if this if this weird science had been around and had been being developed, was it public policy that that kept the science from getting ahead of the of the disease and the and the pandemic? No, it's just opportunity. There was an attempt hmm. actually to adopt the science to target the Zika virus, but the Zika virus flamed out before the work could be executed. And it was a matter of priority. I mean, we were not facing an imminent threat. And so the science, again, was sitting on the shelf. But it was ready to go, and it just needed a target. And COVID-19 came along, and that was a target. We should separate the two discussions, because you are correct. It is a reality that the way in which this human-to-human transmission occurs with a virus is that literally cases will double, quadruple, quintuple very, very quickly. So that is spot-on correct go from zero to 100 almost overnight when you're dealing with pandemic-level crises like this. But the science was slow and iterative until it hit an inflection point, and it was a discovery of the genetic code, the application of the science, and then, boom, here comes the candidate vaccine. And, and... add to that in the discussion around how quickly the vaccine developed is to dispel the idea that shortcuts were taken. Even though it happened rapidly, all of the steps in terms of clinical trials, recruiting the right number of patients, and confirming that it was safe and effective did happen. I'm, I'm glad you said that, Doctor, because a lot of people do have the impression that that somehow we uh, uh, took shortcuts or... or um, eased up on on regulations in order to meet some warp speed goal. Exactly, and that was not the case. We just put all of our resources into one problem and used all of our scientists and skills and made this happen when it needed to. Um, Are there things that that people should be doing um, aside from sheltering in place and and maintaining social distance and masking, washing hands more frequently, washing down uh, uh, commonly touched items, uh, you know, the, the things that we've, we've heard about not spreading the disease. But are there things that we can do to make our bodies a little more resistant? Is there, there food or or supplements that that are um, that that help mitigate um, our our 
chances of, of getting it or having it be severe? You know, there are a lot of people, Tom, that try to think about how can I do this naturally? How can I make my immune system more healthy? It ends up tracking to the usual good health characteristics that we discuss all the time. Dr. Khan and I are both cardiologists, and so we live in this space. But not being obese, exercising, having a healthy diet, it turns out that a brain health, heart healthy, immune healthy diet, it's all the same thing, vegetables, fiber, low in saturated fats, low in alcohol. These are very common themes. There's been no discovery that a singular food item or a singular trick or a singular strategy makes the immune system particularly more resilient. I do think that there are a couple of caveats on the question you raised, though. It's our natural tendency. We now understand who we are as social individuals. We like networks, and that's always the risk. You do all the things you're supposed to do, and then you think it's okay to get together. It's not okay to get together. We can't turn that green light on just yet, but our tendency, our wish, our longing is to be together. And so that's something we have to continue to think differently whenever those opportunities come up and postpone them, recalibrate them, make them virtual, at least for now. It will change over time, but we need to keep that in mind. And the last caveat is that not everybody's in the same place. There's some people that are naturally immunosuppressed, have chronic conditions, or may even be taking immunosuppressing drugs. They need to be particularly careful. Well, I know that, at least at least for myself, you know, being basically, uh, for all intents and purposes, in quarantine for the better part of a year, I've been doing a lot of what I call boredom eating and I suspect a lot of other people are too we're spending a lot more time binge watching uh, Netflix and Hulu and all the other applications and there's just this um, you know desire to pass the time by eating and it it makes um, dieting a, a little tough is there are there things people can do to um you know, satisfy that that impulse to boredom eat and keep from putting on, like, outrageous amounts of COVID pounds? Well, if, I had, if we had to answer that question, we'd probably be on um, the morning talk show nationally. <laughs> you'd be, you'd be <laughs> writing diet books. That's right. It's a challenge everyone faces. You know, um, it's going to sound like a tried and true refrain that you've heard before, but it's all about moderation and it's about balance. Can you find a way to get out and walk? Can you do something that gets you off the couch? Um, can you still make wise food choices? Can you make choices that are fun but not um, calorie-laden? It's the challenge that everyone faces, Tom. It, it's... <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to a doctor the other day, and that was one of the first questions. Are you getting any exercise? And I said, pretty much only when I walk from the bed to the couch. Um, <laughs> and and you're right. We do um, need to find ways to, you know, I'm not a person who jumps out of bed and is ready for calisthenics. I, I know there are people who are, and I envy them, but... I won't ever be one of them, but there are things that I could, that I can and should be doing, and that's that's what you're recommending. Um, Correct, and Tom, you just dated yourself by describing it as calisthenics because I remember calisthenics as well. 
You remember I don't what? Know what that is. <laughs> you remember what? I remember calisthenics as well. We have a we oh. have a thought about that. In the oh, is that is 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 that a uh, retired term? Well, it's 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 a quaint term. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I can uh, I can accept being quaint. Um, usually. I'm in the same boat. I, I usually feel like a dinosaur because I'm still using a flip phone. There you go. Flip phones, calisthenics are all in the same spot. <laughs> um, Is there any other way we can help you, Tom? Yeah, I just I, I just wanted to um, end as I always do. I give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Are there some websites or, or other resources that, that either or both of you can recommend? Absolutely. So um, I'm a big fan of the CDC website. I think it's been reinvigorated, and it's laden with all the right questions and answers to those questions. Our own websites are quite robust in Northwestern Medicine. It's very easy to, to just put in Northwestern Medicine covid and you'll end up getting uh, quite a robust amount of information. But I would start at the CDC website. I would not do an agnostic COVID search. It would be overwhelming. Yeah, I could imagine. Well, thank you both for spending this time with me this morning. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck with uh, all your work. Well, thanks, Tom. Be well. Stay safe. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, that was Dr. Uh, Clyde Yancey, Chief of Cardiology at Northwestern Medicine and Associate Director of the uh, Bloom Cardiovascular Institute at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Also uh, on the line this morning from Northwestern Medicine, uh, Bloom Cardiovascular Institute, was uh, Dr. Sadia Khan, or Khan rather. And uh, with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Summer Program.com I know of a place where you never get harmed A magical place with magical charms Indoors, indoors, indoors Hello there, citizen. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. 
be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
The doctor was looking at the x-ray, and I asked him, what do you see? And he kept on looking at the x-ray, as he said in French to me. I see bones. I see gizzards and bones. And a few kidney stones. Among the lovely bones. I see hips. And 14 paper clips. Three asparagus tips. Among the lovely bones. I see things in your peritoneum that belong in the British Museum. I see your spine and your spine looks divine. It's exactly like mine. Now doesn't that seem strange? Among your lovely bones. Oh, hello there, nurse. Come over here and look at this X-ray. It's really remarkable. Isn't the lumbar vertebrae supposed to be connected to the clavicle? Well, I know, but it's got tape. Hey, look what's in there. Look at that, it's a stamp. It's a 1922 McKinley Ultramarine Blue with imperfect perforations. I've got to get that out and put it in my collection. Look in there, there's printing. What does it say in there? U.S. Certified Grade A. Look at this, it's fascinating. See those little round things? You know what those are? Those are M&Ms. Those people are right, they don't melt. explain to you what we're going to do. Fine. First of all, we work this show with three cameras. Three cameras? We have three cameras. We have one in the center over here, uh-huh. we have one on the side, oh, yeah. and one over here on this side. Oh, now, all three of these cameras are immobile. They're where? They're fixed. I didn't know that. Yes, they're stationary cameras. Oh, oh, oh. They don't move. You said fixed, doesn't yeah. it? Well, they're fixed in place. I had my cat fixed. We can go there. Oh, no, no. It's not the same thing at all. Oh, so, terrible Tom, we used to call it. So, so, so uh, what's important is... Oh, he was the terror of the neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. We had to have him fixed. Yeah, but I want you to pay attention. He to just me. sits in the bread box and stares at me now. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's very important. That you we call him Sam Spade. All right. Now, just forget about your capture. I have to explain to you what we're going to do. Well, the important thing is just look at the camera where you see the red light. First of all, we'd like you to uh, tell us something about yourself. We know that you are a doctor. Yes, a DM. An MD. 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 Doctor in, uh, in medicine.
yesterday, it seems to me that most men are specializing. Well, what's happened an awful lot to, today in medicine is that we have found that uh, in medicine that many of the people, particularly the doctors, are specializing. Yes, well, I'm certainly glad you cleared that up for us. Uh, and, we were uh, talking about that old last Thursday down at the doctor place. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. <laughs> and, uh, and how about you, doctor? What's yours? Uh, bourbon, if you have it. No. Well, doctor, I, I mean, in, uh, in what field do you operate, sir? Well, we don't operate in the field. We have a new building. No. <laughs> Some of the older ladies complain of grass stains. <laughs> Well, are you an obstetrics? No, we're down next to the elevator. No. Doctor, I, I mean, you do have a specialty. Someone comes to see you. Your name's on the door there. Oh, yes. And uh, it's yes. your specialty. Right. I'm a surgeon. Surgeon. C-E-R-G-O-N. You're a general surgeon? Yes, I do. You, uh, you do general surgery? Yes, I am. Well, which I was correct, of course, we realize you don't operate alone. No, we like to have a patient there. Uh, you go cutting right through the wood otherwise. Uh, doctor, uh, I, I mean that you, you do have a crew to assist you. Oh, if I you see, I'm asking you these questions because I would imagine there must be thousands of young men around the country. Well, there must be. I can't get on a golf course. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> but I, I've been watching our program tonight, and I'll bet you a lot of these young fellows are interested in medicine. Well, I hope so, uh, because we've got a lot of what we're trying to sell. No, 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 they don't want to buy any medicine. We're overstocked in Oriole Mass. No, no, doctor, I mean, some of these young fellows watching the show tonight might have an interest in a medical career. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we certainly need them. Well, we need them down at the doctor place. Oh, that's the hospital. I think these young fellows should realize you just don't get to be a doctor. No, sir, you've got to study. 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 Long, hard period of training. You certainly are. You have to study everything. Study is as study does. Isn't that the You truth? must read lots of pamphlets oh, yes. and hang around the drugstore. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, pharmaceuticals is a great study. It certainly can. Yeah. Doctor, you were very high in your class. No, I get high on weekends. No, 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 doctor. You, you graduated magna cum laude. Magna cum laude. Right, yes, right there. Number one in the class of over 400. 412, yes, sir. I was class president and uh, captain of the lacrosse team. Is that so? And I was also the uh, valedictorian. Valedictorian. That's the one. Valedictorian in your class. In your valedictory address, doctor, you included a motto. I certainly will. Now, I haven't heard this motto, but I understand this is the thought that you claim is responsible for having put you in this eminent position you now uh, enjoy in the medical world. Medical world is as medical world does. Well, that isn't the motto. No, 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 no. Well, I wonder if we could prevail upon you, doctor, to pass your motto on to our television audience at this time. You know it might help some of these young fellows would like to follow in your footsteps. I'd be more than coil. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. I knew you were talking. Thank you. The motto that has helped me through life and through school, and it goes, how many times have we jumped over and said to ourselves, let's go back. These are the new things, and throw out, and we go back and say, how many, and that's not enough. We must feel in our hearts that the highway of life is paved, and we must walk the white line of life and know that each of us that has ever and gone back has known that the new, don't touch me, the newness, we can feel that as you lift it, lift it as you. Know not why, but why know not. These are the things that we worry. All of us, gather a whole big bunch of it and throw it against the wall sometimes. I'm sure there was something in there for almost everybody. Oh, yeah. Doctor, I want to thank you for taking some of your valuable time and spending it here with us tonight. Well, I feel that if I can bring, uh, and, and whether or not, yes, well, I'm still working on things.
throw it against the wall. So we're working on that. But I, I did want to ask you one question before you left, Doctor. Uh, you're familiar with this great problem that's uh, uh, just covering the whole world, the population exposure. Oh, big problem. Big, big problem. problem. And, and I, oh. I don't have the figures oh. readily at hand, but I understand that somewhere in the world there's a woman having a baby every couple of seconds. Yes, that's the problem. We've got to find her and stop her. All right, Doctor. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, Superman, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A Superman, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program.